0: Nicole. Hey, hey, Candice.
1: And hello to our lovely patrons. Welcome back to For Your Conscious Consideration, a book club.
0: <laughs> the book club edition. I'm so excited to get back into recording these book club episodes because I feel like it's been a little bit. And before we get into actually talking about the essay we are going to be reading today, I do want to remind y'all that If you are reading along or even if you're just listening along and have questions or just something really moves you and you want to talk to us about it, please send us a message through what we like to call the Conscious Corner, which is just a feature we have on our Anchor website where you can send us a voice message directly and you can either let us know that you want to be put into another episode or it can just be for our ears only but it's a really cool way to interact with y'all rather than just sending messages or liking and commenting so please please yeah. send us messages we we want to hear from you
1: <laughs> it's lonely over here just me and oh, nicole so like, come lonely. on let the conscious conversation is is made much better with more people so we are we would just love to hear how this is hitting your hearts as well as our own absolutely
0: but anyways let's get into today's essay which is scratching the surface some notes on barriers to L- women and loving again this is in sister outsider by Audre Lorde. Mm-hmm. so candace tell us a little bit about this essay
1: yes so this essay it was actually first published in the black scholar in 1978 So I love that this book also tells us when these were first published because, again, just like dating and to see how much is still completely applicable for this day and like even more Mm -hmm. important for this day that we're in. So yeah, 1978, it was originally published. And really, there's so many themes that are at play here. I love that she actually in this chapter, she begins with definitions of racism, sexism, heterosexism, and homophobia, like right off the bat. I was like, girl,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. we love a good definition. <laughs> I'm I'm a daughter of Audre Lorde in that way. And then in the first few paragraphs, she really talks and takes us through this, like, socio-political cultural analysis of the parallels and the misalignment of the black community, like at that time, and I would say still now, mm-hmm. and brings her own intentions and focus and love and you know, correction and suggestions for change to the Black community. And she talks about, like, the intimate and intricate relationship between Black men, Black women, the seeming threat of Black women gathering in community, which mm-hmm. is something that really harkens back to, I know I was participating in the Girl Trek Black History Boot Camp, and they talked a lot about, like, how dangerous it, it seems, or how dangerous people make it out to seem of just the power of black women gathering mm-hmm. and she also talks a lot which is one of the pieces i might get into one of my favorite parts she talks a lot about like horizontal hostility and how it's used as a mask and like a red herring for keeping people arguing like fighting rather than looking up to like wait why are what are we fighting about here why are we you know mm-hmm. against each other when there's other people that we could be focusing on or other measures we could be focusing on so so it's like half battle of the sexes in some way half reading the system to filth but fully like so much incredible insights and yeah I would just say like personal reflections made into declarations I think like Mm. Audra's incredible with that and so I'm really excited to get into it okay so Nicole you start us off like before we're gonna do our three favorite quotes or maybe in my case paragraphs and how they're hitting us and then we'll end with our integration piece. So the piece that we are really looking to integrate into our lives for this next week, month, year existence.
0: Yes. Whew well I feel like since I'm going first I might as well just go with the opening line.
1: I knew it. I knew it.
0: (laughs) I'm like if I'm going first, I'm I'm utilizing that one. Yeah. So yeah, like like Candace had said Audre Lorde opens with the definitions of racism, sexism, heterosexism, and homophobia, and then goes into this quote, which says, The above forms of human blindness stem from the same root, an inability to recognize the notion of difference as a dynamic human force, one which is enriching rather than threatening to the defined self when there are shared goals. I'm like, I'm just going to, I was like, (laughs) I want to just keep going. I literally am like, maybe we'll do an episode where we read the whole whole chapter.
1: Yeah, we just read it, like reading with Candice and Nicole.
0: But yeah, that, that just, it it hits home on so many levels, especially in what we're experiencing right now in the world. And I just, like, I really, it really hit me. The above forms of human blindness stem from the same root. Like it's. I love how she simply is like, all of those definitions are human blindness. Like that is such a succinct, easy way to be like, that's what that is, is human blindness. It is the inability to recognize the notion of difference as a dynamic human force. Mm. And like those racism, sexism, heterosexism, homophobia, essentially all the isms are just human blindness that are divisive and like yeah. strip us away Chosen from blindnesses. Yeah, it it's it strips us away from connecting with one another. And I feel like that's what this whole essay is truly about is Yeah the ways in which we like we strip ourselves away from each other and are afraid to connect because of different aspects which the more we share these quotes, the more it'll unfold as to like how Lord talks about these things.
1: Yeah. Cause she, she does expand on all of this, but I do love as a setting of a tone to start with those definitions and definitions. Again, the isms are commonly like hate against or discrimination against this group for, or on the basis of this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I do really appreciate that. She's like, no, it's actually human blindness. And like I said, like a chosen blindness mm-hmm. to these people which again stems from an inability to recognize the notion of difference as a dynamic human force, which again, I've been mentioning it so much, the wisdom of crowds, cause I'm like in it and working a lot with the culture and the collective and the group wisdom. And it's just so beautiful to see, to see those isms that again, hold such negative, you know, dense frequencies, you can say, or dense emotions with it. To, just to give a spin and a different perspective on how we can look at that.
0: Yeah. And I actually think it's important to kind of say that in her definitions, she continuously uses the belief in the inherent superiority. So, mm-hmm. like, an ism is that a belief in inherent superiority over someone else's way of living. The human blindness is like that inherent superiority, as if you are superior mm-hmm. over the way somebody else lives
1: because of a certain whatever fact. Yeah. Oof, that was a good one. That was one of mine. So I'll (laughs) shuffle down to my next, which I feel like, again, like all these can be integrations and favorite parts. Totally. I just loved this one going for the theme, which is like defining ourselves for ourselves. We talked about this Mm -hmm. in our recent live podcast recording. So this one, of course, stuck out to me. And Audra says, for black women, as well as black men, It is axiomatic that if we do not define ourselves for ourselves, we will be defined by others for their use and to our detriment. Mm. And the paragraph goes on and I'm, I'm practicing self-restraint right now by not reading the full thing. And I loved too for, for anybody else, axiomatic really means like self-evident, unquestionable. So for black women, as well as black men, it is unquestionable that if we do not define ourselves for ourselves, we will be defined by others Mm -hmm. for their use and to our detriment. And in that itself, I think again, going on with the themes we've talked about and what it means to not just define ourselves, but define our life for our life. This is literally part of our redefining series is like, let's redefine these words for us. How does it Mm -hmm. feel to us? How do we want to operate in this for us? And, I'm sure so many of us right now are redefining what our life is to us, redefining Mm. what feels good, redefining what work we want, redefining what friends we want around us, redefining the boundaries that we put, like redefining everything. I know for us, we've had personal conversations. Nicole and I have just like, okay, everything's out the window now. Like whatever we were doing for these years before, like we're starting new. Mm -hmm. And so of course I do love the, you know, the more positive, the more uplifting, empowering reasons of like defining ourselves for more opportunities and for more, you know, alignment. But also, I love that Audrey packs the punch of like, and you know why this is so important? Because if not, we will be defined by others. And why? It's gonna be for their use, again, their consumption, their, a theme that's gone on like for them to be able to utilize you in whatever way and to our detriment. Inherently, because no one, no one will ever be able to define, categorize, or describe, label you best or more accurately than yourself. Mm-hmm. And of course, we go into more accurately. Well, of course, you know, you cannot see the full breadth of your worth, or you cannot see the full expansion, or you might not be able to locate all of the knowledge or whatever that you have. So, again, it can be skewed, but there's no person that has the most experience and knowledge about you than you. Mm -hmm. So inherently, if anybody tries to describe you, it's going to be insufficient, always.
0: Totally. And so I just
1: really love that as, again, a reminder, but also the reasons why. And I'm sure many of us can think of examples, black or not, you know, think of examples when other people defined us and how that hurt us and how we were then treated because of their own definition and how that determined what respect we got or didn't Mm -hmm. all of those things so yeah I just think that's a really important point that she brings up
0: yeah and I also feel like when you have yet to fully define yourself and others are trying to define you it is as if you are like running in circles trying to live up to these definitions that other people are trying to define you as in an unconscious Mm -hmm. way. So it's like you're spinning in a circle instead of standing true in your sacred ground and being like, this is who I am. And knowing when you know who you are, you can navigate other people's definitions of you that are being thrown at you when you're like, wait a second, that is not who I am. So let let me take a step away from that and come back to who I know I am right that's definitely something we are all navigating right now for sure so my next quote is the distortion of relationship which says I disagree with you so I must destroy you Mm. leaves us as black people with basically uncreative victories defeated in any common struggle this jugular vein psychology is based on the fallacy that your assertion or affirmation of self is an attack upon myself or that my defining myself will somehow prevent or retard your self definition. The supposition that one sex needs the other's acquiescence in order to exist prevents both from moving together as self-defined persons towards a common goal. Uh. It's just like, I'm like, there's no words. It's like, just take that in. So I did. I definitely jumped a little. So there is so much incredible stuff that leads up to this quote of how not only are whites trying to define black people, but now it's like this, like you were saying at the beginning, a battle of the sexes between black women and black men. And Mm -hmm. this, I mean, I'm like, white people put it there and is forcing this to happen. And so then it becomes this internal conversation and dialogue and like where she says your assertion or affirmation of a, of self is an attack upon myself and so if i know who i am and you don't know who you are then i it's as if i'm attacking you when i am standing truly in what who i am and who i've defined for myself and so it's it's this greater phenomenon I'm like that's really that's not the best word I can find but it is right now that's happening where it is when other people are healed and you are not you feel like you're being attacked by the person who is trying to show you ways in which you can have a higher quality of life and that's the same as when you have defined yourself your quality of life in your own lens and perspective is fuller and so when you are doing that, it is somehow an attack or a belittlement of another person's experience who has yet to get to a place where they can define themselves. It just feels like really complex within me of yeah spinning in a circle, like chasing your tail of, okay, so what am I not supposed to define myself because you have yet to define yourself?
1: I, I love that you went with like the definition of the definition of self of where that distortion in the relationship comes from. Because when I first read it, I disagree with you. So I must destroy you. It immediately harkened back to like the very divisive dualistic rhetoric that's happening right now Mm -hmm. where it's just like the left and the right. And it's like, they're morally wrong and I'm morally right. And if you're not with me, then you're fucking without me type of thing. Totally. That can be so divisive. And so I, I think that way there can be two, You know, undefined for themselves people that are in that horizontal hostility that we've talked about. And Mm -hmm. I'll talk a little bit deeper into, like, I think this next quote. But I also want to say, like, personally, I don't think we're ever just, like, healed. Like, I don't think we're ever like, yep, and I'm healed and you're not. And that's why we seek difference. I don't think that at all. I I feel like when how I like to, to picture it and describe to others is... When you are shining, like if you think of yourself as a super bright light that you have taken the time to like dust off, get new batteries and be like, okay, I'm shining really bright right now. Right? If someone else comes and their light's a little foggy and they haven't been looking at it, like your light is going to shine a lot on their shit, on their darkness. So that I feel like is the battle of, not whether you're healed or you're you're defining yourself for yourself and they aren't it's just that you will be confronted with situations people constantly that their light or their truth or their definition or their clarity or their work towards healing just shines a light on areas that you haven't maybe you know focused on yet it'll it'll like highlight and ping to the areas in you and a lot of us will then get triggered and be like oh well they made me feel this way or they did Mm -hmm. this or they do this or your energy is you know whatever and i think it's taking into effect like wait a second how am i choosing to respond to this rather than react and why are we in the relationship first off where it's saying oh if i disagree with you then i have to destroy you if you're mm-hmm. shining your light on something, I'm insecure, then I must hate you and, and be vile back to you. Or if you're defined and it like, and it makes me feel a little bit, or I have feelings of insecurity from that. It's like, oh, well then like you're the problem. Right. It's that type of back and forth that I think is really interesting in a passage. I really hope everybody like online in book reads for themselves because there's, we can go so deep into this, but I love that you shared that one. Okay, so this is another short one, and I think it goes, it it came before the one, Nicole, you just shared, but I love how how she puts this. So Audrey says, the tactic of encouraging horizontal hostility to be cloud more pressing issues of oppression is by no means new, nor limited to relations between women. And so before this passage, she's talking about... The relationship between black women and black men and how there has been this competitiveness, one between black women, and black men, but then black women and white women who might be in relationship with black men and, you know, vice versa. And so now not only are black women feeling like they have to compete to be the best and to earn, you know, black men's affection, but also they have to compete with white women to earn black men's affection or even white men to, you know, like... It's mm-hmm. this competition within again the sexes within these corresponding circles, right? And so when she talks about horizontal hostility, which she gets into further into the chapter and it's beautiful how she writes it, it's talking about like, wait a second, why are we all fighting with each other rather than asking the question of what where's the competition coming from what are we even competing for and why are we competing for it and who is telling me that i need to be worried about you know be worried about being attractive or finding a mate of whatever sex whatever background like whatever background the phrase itself horizontal hostility just really spoke out to me because i feel in so many ways right now we're talking about sex and relationships and black and white and and so it's in these different categories but broadening it out for where we are right now we the collective has seen how we've been in this you can call it like infighting how we've been hostile towards the other person that's you know right beside us rather than the institutions that are seemingly above us mm-hmm. which are creating these situations of competition And so that's where she's saying like the tactic of encouraging horizontal hostility to be cloud to basically like distract from the more pressing issues of oppression is no is not new and it's not just limited to relations between women it's not just that and and we can see that in so many avenues and ways and it really just made me think about like wow like who has been pulling the strings in my life and how am I going to start cutting those strings and looking upward and downward rather than just looking around and feeling like I'm in a battle with those that are truly like in this with me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I really love that one.
0: Yeah. At the end of the quote that I had shared doing this and in, in fighting, we are preventing ourselves from Lord says prevents both from moving together as self-defined persons towards a common goal. And it's it's like instead of turning around and facing those who are continuously putting up these oppressive systems, we're fighting within ourselves and it's taking away from the common goal of destroying these oppressive systems that right. are taking us all down. Right. I'm like, my third quote is actually a continuation of of yours because I just felt like it it described this horizontal hostility, and Audre Lorde is talking about how the hiring and firing of black fa- faculty members at universities, and how it becomes like this never ending chase. Um, I'll pick up right where you left so, and then lead into the quote I was going to use. So, she says the same tactic is used to encourage separation between black women and black men. In discussions around the hiring and firing of Black faculty at universities, the charge is frequently heard that Black women are more easily hired than are Black black men. For this reason, Black women's problems of promotion and tenure are not to be considered important since they are only taking jobs away from Black men. Here again, energy is being wasted on fighting each other over the pitifully few crumbs allowed us, rather than being used in a joining of forces, to fight for a more realistic ratio of black faculty. Mm. The latter would be a vertical battle against racist policies of the academic structure itself, one which could result in real power and change. It is the structure at the top which desires changelessness and which profits from these apparently endless kitchen wars. And so what I think is interesting too is how she says, like in in these discussions, the charge is frequently heard that black women are more easily hired than are black men, and so my brain mm-hmm. immediately went to, is that true, or is that just a conversation that is started to like my my mind is like I wonder if statistically is that what is happening or is that simply just a conversation and a rumor to. Mm-hmm like whoever it was created by just to be like, there's a threat against my own position here. Yeah. And so let's, let's blame it on the fact that, oh, maybe black women are being hired more easily. And so they're, they're taking away positions.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I like to think probably both. And I would say more along the lines of it's using, if there is, it's using statistics for to push your own agenda. Like this is something I always think of having a research background and being like, okay, like how did that stat actually come? And like how did you really study this? And like how how is that being used? But I think it's the same rhetoric you hear of even like the most racist where it's like, oh, the immigrants are taking our jobs. Like in any country, it's like, oh, they're taking our jobs. It's like who, what jobs, when, what are the stats of this? And I think it's those types of just fragrant, like stories that are, and maybe loose statistics that are draped around, which is I think what Audrey's noting to is like, that is the rhetoric of the vertical institutions that don't want change. So they're gonna be like, you know what? Let's make it more competitive. Let's Mm -hmm. say, oh, you know what? Actually they're taking, or let's invoke fear or let's say you know the, these persons are taking your job, so you need to be better than them, and you need you're against them now. Like now, mm-hmm. inherently, it's competition. And so. it's just like, oh, it's not
0: our fault that you don't have no. a job. It's the that, women are the women are taking your positions.
1: Yeah. it's not our fault that there's not more positions for black faculty in general. It's mm-hmm. that the women are taking all your jobs. It's it's exactly that. So, yeah, I'm glad you you chose that one to finish up that point because. I I think the larger conversation about horizontal hostility versus, like, vertical evolution or revolution, Mm -hmm. you could say, is so, so important, especially right now. Yes. Okay, so my last quote is, is going off of the importance of defining ourselves, but also the switch and the change that we are being called to make and are making right now towards redefining like i would say like the human and redefining our role as a group and like our priorities as a group going forward so audrey says this action and when she's talking about this action it's actually talking about what we mentioned before i disagree with you so i must destroy you and And you're defined and i'm not and all of that so this action is a prevalent error among oppressed peoples it is based upon the false notion that there is only a limited and particular amount of freedom that must be divided up between us with the largest and juiciest pieces of liberty going as spoils to the victor or the stronger so instead of joining together to fight for more we quarrel between ourselves for a larger slice of the one pie. It's this. Like this, this mm-hmm. is just it. Like this is the result and the, I would say like the inherent normalized, internalized result of years, decades in living in like horizontal hostility. Mm -hmm. Is we're not focused on the large, again, like that clogs up our energy and we're not focused on, wait a second, why are there not, why are there not more fucking pies? Why am Mm -hmm. I competing so hard for this little thing? And that's what she says. It's the false notion. There's only a limited and particular amount of freedom. First of all, it's like, how can we define freedom for ourselves? How can we redefine abundance? Like, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I want to be free to do this, this, this but inherently i'm sure a lot of us think that it comes at the extent or the expense of someone else's being locked up like their freedom it comes at the expense of their freedom it's like we can't all be free so we're competing to who can be the most free and then it says that freedom this notion says this false notion says that freedom must be divided up between us with the largest and juiciest pieces going to the victor or the stronger Mm -hmm. And that's, again, competition. It's like, oh, you have to earn it. You have to work for it. You have to show whoever us that you are worthy of this freedom. And that's how we can look at someone else and say, oh, well, they don't deserve this amount of money. They don't deserve that support because they're not working hard enough for it. Yeah. And that's where a lot of us right now are saying, wait a second, why are we saying especially Mm -hmm. with with the quarantine a lot of people not being able to work who are now looking for assistance were some of the same people being like oh no like I have to work for like I don't want handouts I wouldn't give people handouts are the same people that are now like you know what handouts might be nice Mm -hmm. wait a second why don't we have you know this type of relief and I'm talking a lot about my experience being American because in Denmark it's a completely different you know totally ushering in of these of these regulations but I just love that quote because i think it really in a concise fashion talks about where we are moving from i have hope and and what we are moving to which is joining together to fight for more rather than quarrel over the small little slice of freedom that we've been told is is all that's available Mm -hmm. to us so
0: yes You, you took my integration piece, which is beautiful because it was the last quote, but that is, that is the quote that I feel like I am absolutely still integrating. And this idea too, there's so many rules or expectations or like just the, the saying of like, that's just the way things are that Mm -hmm. keep these systems in place instead of being like, why the fuck are things this way? And stop telling me that we can't have it more. It's like, this scarcity mindset that we are fed Mm -hmm. from the beginning of time that Mm -hmm. there isn't enough so be grateful for what you have right it's just like you can sit there and try and defend that there is only so much freedom there is only so much for people to have until you're blue in the face but I know from personal experience that the more you open up to the fact that there is more freedom and even as a collective we're seeing this that like the more we challenge these seemingly inherent policies like as if that this is what it is and this is why it is what it is and like that's it don't question it anymore the more we question it the more we open up this mm-hmm. box of realizing they've been lying to us all along which we all know but it's like this right. the more we we find more abundance and the more we're aware of the fact that these are just oppressive systems put in place to keep the oppressed people more oppressed, the further we're realizing there are other ways to do things and this capitalistic white supremacist 2021 society that we're living in is not the end-all be-all. And I think what I really took away from this entire essay was the importance of black feminism and black feminism being real feminism and by real feminism i mean the true liberation of all through the eradication of racism sexism heterosexism homophobia and transphobia all the right. other isms and people are talking about this so much more of like what black feminism is is the fact that once black oppression is no longer occurring everyone else is free because those systems that are put in place are gone and so no one can be oppressed and like that it was like that
1: meme where where it was like oh so when black people get what they want we actually all benefit Mm -hmm. shocking like when black people are taken care of like we all benefit from it interesting exactly how, how shocking but yeah i do I do feel like it is this, you know, I I see it as layered, almost like the Maslow, like Mm -hmm. hierarchy of needs where it's like, okay, up at the top is like feminism, what we think. And it's like white feminism. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, that's great and all. But if we just cut down to the base where it was like, I I would say black trans people, like if, if we just went down to that, and feminism, of course, and looked at the systems that are holding all of those people back. If we dismantled those systems, literally everybody else would be fine. Like, we start exactly. at the root. We start at the oppressed people. We don't start at the rich. We don't start at trying to see how how white privilege feminism is going to benefit people. It's like, that's not going to touch the, it's not gonna the do lower, shit. you could say, like, it's not going to do it's shit. It's just, or, you again, know what? a horizontal tactic it's gonna do something right it's not gonna do something for everybody though right and that's and that is what feminism is in
0: the definition of feminism is the liberation of all it's not even just women like I feel like most of our listeners probably understand that feminism is not just like for the liberation of women right but feminism is this liberation for all so if you're just focusing on the elite upper class white women liberation then it's it's to me it's pointless like there is no like you're not you're not achieving the goals of feminism at all and this essay was like you said cut to the root and not like stop stop just clipping off the flowers and thinking that that's going to like get rid of the disease within the bush it's like Mm. no you need to like Mm -hmm. rip that whole every root out of the system and dig through it and be like where where do these systems take place in and stay rooted in and until we do that we're we're going to continue to move horizontally rather than vertically
1: absolutely and I think that's perfect, I mean, because we went through so many actual pieces, I think that's perfect that your integration is like the collective integration of this book. So my final integration, Audrey told me, she said personally, hey Candace, you, as black women, we have the right and responsibility to define ourselves and to seek our allies in common cause with black men against racism and with each other and white women against sexism. But most of all, as Black women, we have the right and responsibility to recognize each other without fear and to love where we choose. Both lesbian and heterosexual Black women today share a history of bonding and strength to which our sexual identities and our other differences must not blind us. And I think that's a beautiful integration Mm -hmm. for all of us, but as she is focusing on black women, and I myself am a black woman, I see this and I see, again, we talk so much about the intersectionality of race and sex. And in so many ways, black women are at the Venn diagram of like shit. Like we are kind of at the bottom of those rings as far as rights and freedoms and respect given, frankly. Mm -hmm. And so with that, there is, again, a lot of horizontal hostility towards other black women. And she puts it... I think there's another piece in one of her chapters that really hits it head on. But basically saying that as black women, we have been fed the same racist bullshit that many other people have been fed. It's hard enough for us to look at ourselves as black women and appreciate everything that has to go with that. And to look at other black women and everything that goes with that because we've been conditioned to not only fight against ourselves, but then pity ourselves and pity others. And and to see other black women, again, as not our family, not our community, but our competition. And, and as people that shine the light on what blackness is, what is acceptable as blackness and... I think we've even tried to categorize ourselves within the community. And I know, I I guess I'll speak for myself here to say that I've had so many different relationships with other black women that I know I came to it from like insecurity or not knowing how I measured up or either, you know, not knowing, honestly, not knowing how to just be in communion with those other women and not see it as a threat, not see it as highlighting of my own insecurities or honestly just the fear just the fear of a powerful group of black women all working towards a common cause like i'm bitch that scares me too because we're powerful as fuck and and imagine all, all that we've done not on one common fucking force and now as we are collecting and so many of our allies and other people of color are collecting towards one common force, what Audrey's been telling us. It's like, bitch, watch out, watch out. Mm-hmm. And so I just love that as an integration is like, we seek our allies in common cause with black men against racism, with each other and white women against sexism, but also looking at our own community as black women, as strength and as a sanctuary and not mm-hmm. as a dueling ground. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely gonna be taking that with, with myself. Yes.
0: I love that because truly I feel like that is the goal of this essay. Like if I if I could even be offered a chance to tap into Audre Lorde's mind while she was mm-hmm. sitting there writing this. I mean, the title of this essay is Scratching the Surface, Some Notes on Barriers to Women and Loving. And just some notes. She's yeah, like, I'm just, just scratching just, the uh,
1: surface here. I'm like, scratching the surface but you dug deep. You are at the Earth's core right now. Like, okay.
0: And that, that just <laughs> goes to show that this truly is just the surface of this. But I feel like the whole time you're reading this essay, you are just thinking of the barriers to women and loving and the tactics put in place to put Black women up against one another rather than to face each other and love each other. Mm-hmm. And this is... This is really making me think of, I don't know if you've seen the, it's like, I think it started on TikTok and now it's on Instagram reels of, like, introduce yourself as the reason other women hate you. Oh. And so many people are just responding with that, like, Uh, no. Other people don't hate me. Other people don't hate me. (laughs) That's your own internalized hate for yourself. and Like,
1: that's the patriarchal agenda. I saw that one girl was like... (laughs) list other like reasons why other women hate you or something and she was like yeah that's actually the patriarchal agenda and I don't compete against women I actually celebrate them and my yes. sister's out here hoo hoo and I was like yeah yeah I love this cuz also those are definitely the things that fucking men started put the reason mm-hmm. why women hate you and you're like who sa-? again who first of all who asked you and who said this and who says that that's a whole other conversation Absolutely. but I'm, I am glad that you brought that up.
0: Yeah, because I do. I just feel like it's, again, these these rhetorics and conversations that are put in place to divide us when that's just horizontal. Let's move vertically together.
1: Yes, let's move vertically together. We coming for you, oppression. We coming. <laughs> we, we coming. We coming. Thank you all so much for joining us for another book club reading and another episode. Again, if you have any revelations or want to share, want to hop on this train, please send us a message and we will catch you back for the fifth chapter, which... (sighs) Yeah, hold tight. Hold tight. Hold tight, (laughs) y'all. It's a good one. It's a good
0: one. Mm, This is such a good conversation and I just feel like this essay in particular is rippling and unfolding as we speak so Mm, bury that
1: we love you so much we'll see you and i guess hear from you soon (laughs) love ya love y'all see ya